Welcome into the bad fan. How early is too early to sack a manager? Well, how about a manager who won your club the Champions League? Well, Chelsea are looking to be the guinea pigs of how early is too early as they have sacked manager Thomas Tuchel. We'll discuss the ramifications of it and who his replacement will be. Plus, the Champions League has begun and has proven already why it is the best cup in the world. Wait to hear what happened in match day one. Your journey discussing all of this and more with the bad fan begins right now. Hello and welcome in. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and we are glad to have you alongside with us for another edition of The Bad Fan. As you can see, my friends Stephen Curl and Brandon Pasek are alongside me today for episode 36 of The Bad Fan. Gentlemen, it's good to see you, but does it get any better than this, having the Champions League and the Premier League back together once again? No, honestly, <laughs> it really really doesn't the drama doesn't stop the games don't stop i think i can watch soccer from 12 p.m to especially if, if you watch the mls you can watch it till midnight really with the west coast games basically every night it's it's wonderful yeah not only that we have the atlanta braves catching the new york mets uh sharing that tied spot for first place in the nl east which makes my heart happy college football starting up my fantasy team has not lost a game yet optimism is in the air not yet um, so it doesn't it doesn't get much better than this yeah dude this is pretty amazing i've found myself yeah midday three o'clock kickoffs champions league premier league it does not stop as you said brandon it feels good to be a, a football fan uh, but hey we're gonna just jump right in this week some massive news Coming specifically out of Chelsea, guys, Thomas Tuchel has been sacked by Chelsea Football Club. And arguably the biggest news of the week, aside from today's big news of the Queen passing away. God rest her soul. Uh, he's been sacked, which is crazy, guys. I mean, one day after his loss to Dynamo Zagreb in the Champions League, and after a slow run of results in the Premier League, what is going on with Chelsea? What will his legacy be at Chelsea at this point? Is it positive, negative? Like, what are we making of this sacking so far? I think it's, well, legacy-wise, very positive. I'm just, I'm a little confused. I think maybe more will come out as the weeks go on, maybe. But um, they, they really haven't looked great this year, but still have gotten results. Obviously not the one in the Champions League. Um, and they were shaky last year, but their owner i mean the, the war in ukraine all of that having to do with chelsea and then uh yeah just weird yeah the club's been in a weird spot for probably the last what would we say eight months um so don't blame them for getting off to a really bad start or it's not even bad it's just okay start um but yeah i'm just i'm when i heard the news i was very confused and a little little surprised Steve, yeah. what do you think? Um, I think this is the stupidest move Chelsea has done since buying Romelu Lukaku for 100 plus million pounds and then loaning him out to Inter. Um, this is stupid. This is the stupidest front office football move I have seen, I think, in the Premier League since, since keeping up with soccer, honestly. He wins you Champions League. Um, you spend 300 million plus on signings for a specific coach for a specific play style. 
Um, you're rumored with Ronaldo. Thomas Tuchel says, I don't want him. Point being, has a specific plan going into the season, and Todd Bowley literally just fires this guy. I think it makes zero sense. For y'all who don't know, Todd Bowley part of the new American Consortium that has taken over Chelsea since Abramovich has sold the team. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is idiotic. I think this is stupid. I don't think it makes any sense. It's early on in the season is what we've been touching on. You see Manchester United, it seems like yesterday it was losing 4-0 to Brentford. And guess what? Now they're in European conversation. Just be Arsenal 3-1. Is Tuchel a victim of losing now? Like, as opposed to if he lost the first two games? I don't don't know. Um, Last bit before I hand it back to my friend Cole. um, Champions League. They lose to Dinamo Zagreb um, in a group stage game. Real Madrid, who won the Champions League last year, take a loss to Sheriff last year. For y'all who don't know who Sheriff is, I don't know either. Um, and that's the point. They, um, they, they're in a country that doesn't exist on a map. Yeah. So literally the point, point being is way too early, insanely early. And you see Scott Parker being fired from Bournemouth from – speaking out against the ownership, not just the results. And so to me, it has the feeling of, I know they've been at odds, Tuchel and um, Bowley since this kind of new takeover has happened at Chelsea. Um, basically Tuchel's quoted saying earlier of earlier in the summer of, you know, it's not, it's not better. It's not worse. Um, trying to stay out of things um, and finds himself sacked out of a job after winning the highest level of, Again, Cole touching on it in the intro. European Cup football ever is the Champions League. It, honestly, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm kind of pissed off. I'm worried about the future. Grand Potter coming in. Is it officially yet? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling pretty heated over it. It doesn't make sense to me. I think it's stupid. And I don't think it's being harsh like Roman Bramovich. I think it's just being straight up idiotic. Yeah, well, you mentioned a couple things like Real Madrid losing to Sheriff. Dynamo Zagreb has a history with London teams. They've now beat all the major London teams. They've beaten Arsenal. They've beaten Tottenham. They've beaten West Ham and now Chelsea. And what's ironic is Zagreb is what got Jose Mourinho fired. Getting knocked out of the Europa League less than a week later, he was out of Tottenham. And that was also the same week that their manager got arrested and that team went and beat Tottenham, knocking them out of the competition. So... Dynamo just has that effect on these uh, London managers, apparently. Uh, but more focused on the whole topic here is, yeah, is was this Todd Bailey's or Bowley, however you pronounce it, I'm gonna say Bailey. That was this his goal from the get go? Uh, I mean, Tuchel, in fairness to him, has sort of sort of been a steward of the club since you know this whole Ukraine Abramovich thing started stirring up late in the winter. And I mean, honestly, like I was there seeing him in January and the Chelsea fans absolutely adored him. You know, both times I saw him play against Tottenham, it was just like, they're going crazy singing, you know, Grace, you know, whatever manager the world has ever seen all that jazz. Cause they were did so well. And it's just, I don't think the Chelsea supporters were expecting this, nor were they asking for it. I would say, I don't, especially so early, like this is what seven games into the premier league, eight games in the season, nine, I guess, um, do they have a preseason whatever match? I'm not sure, but I don't know. It's hard to 
get rid of a manager that won you a major European trophy. It's hard to get rid of a manager that, I mean, has more or less done it all. And it's, I don't know, for you guys, is this is this what Graham Potter should be expecting coming into Chelsea as a short leash or is Graham Potter going to be getting, you know, something new under Todd Bailey? Is he going to be like, where does he take Chelsea from here, guys? What do you think is, should Graham Potter be weary moving forward or should he walk in having full support mentally from Chelsea? Um, I think this is an interesting spot for, for Potter to come in. Um, you made a good point. Was this the plan from the start? If it was, then why, why did you take so long to do it? Um, that's why why invest $300 million, whatever, into the players coming in this summer. Exactly. And so I think with, I'm I'm with Steve, I think it's just a stupid move. I just think it's a momentary finger snap, um, move, you know, paying over the odds for Mark Cucurella, who hasn't really impressed yet for Chelsea. Um, just going and spending a lot of money this summer, um, just seems like they're trying to prove a point that they're, you know, they're here and they're ready to manage Chelsea, but that does run out. And if, if you're not familiar with the premier league, which I'm not sure this consortium is, um, it's a long season. It's a long season. You can't just start snapping your fingers and making, making teams come to life. Um, but for Graham Potter specifically, I mean, this is this is what he's been looking for, I'm sure. Um, been an amazing coach. Anybody that watches the Premier League, you know, Brighton hasn't been the most consistent. They haven't been able to score goals. But the players they bring in, in the way like the 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 amount that they pay for them is so minute compared to these top six teams, and he can get a tune out of them. Um. It's just, I, it can he do that with these with these top six level players? Um, Chelsea, amazing players on their on their team. You know, it doesn't need to be said, but I I'd, I'd be excited if I was him. He has a lot to work with, um, but this is definitely this isn't Brighton anymore. Uh, let's just let's just say that. Yeah, and then real quick, gone are the days of Sir Alex Ferguson's last managing in 2013 of the manager in my opinion having sole con- like control of this team control of teams in the premier league like it takes multiple facets it's directors of football it's which chelsea doesn't have right which now. exactly chelsea doesn't have Graham potter is succeeding at brighton with such a great team around him the director of football recently going to newcastle united um and building the project over there it's not a manager fix all situation for me um i think you have to look beyond this and i think it's way more complicated than looking at oh look at brighton so far grand potter's a good manager this is a good fit um it doesn't it doesn't make sense like that back when tottenham was looking for a coach and jose Mourinho had lost his job grand potter was mentioned to you know step into that tottenham role which i think he actually would have fit well in because like I love Tottenham Hotspur, but we're not a team looking we're not a team that's looking to win a trophy anytime like immediate at like Chelsea is. Like, I'm sorry. Like it's yeah, sure, we're looking for it, but Chelsea demands excellence. That's been their whole shtick, right? 
And Tottenham is very good at doing directors of football, like having a structure, having multiple parties, Daniel Levy, like the, the former Juventus director of football coming into the club. Like it's multiple parties coming into making calculated signings to whereas Chelsea he's stepping into now again, Chelsea also had to pay 16 million pounds to get him from Brighton. Like it's another signing, like to be realistic. Um, and the expectations out of this guy, I mean, you got to stick with him at this point. You just fired a high-profile manager that won you a Champions League. So Chelsea's really putting themselves into a guy that's more about building projects and getting the most, like Brandon was saying, out of players with low price tags. Uh, but if you're Graham Potter, I mean, it's, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Like, Chelsea not far off winning the Champions League. It's a top team in, in England still, like tons of money tons of talent on the on the field so it's if i was potter it's kind of it it reminds me of a game of thrones move almost <laughs> like like ned stark being uh hand of the king kind of putting put into this role of you could get the axe at any second but never in your coaching career have you had this high standard of of coaching and opportunity to, to win trophies that you would never have a chance to win at Brighton. So I don't know. Overall, um, Tuchel's legacy at Chelsea's got to be success. Club, like domestic cup finals, European championships, and dramatic victories um, at Stanford Bridge. Um, coming from a Tottenham fan, I mean, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah. You know, and, and I was just going to say, we forget, too, and we haven't mentioned it yet. He was in two finals, domestic finals last year, and took yeah. it to penalties against one of the best teams in the world in Liverpool, both times. Um, could have easily won one of them, or both of them. So, uh, I I think it's clear to see we're all just sort of baffled by by the move. Um I don't know. I don't know if there's much left to say. I think, no. I think, like you said, Steve, you put it perfectly. Tuchel, Champions League winner, um, one of the best coaches in the world, probably top five, um, even still. Um, did amazing work for Chelsea. Sort of sad to see him go in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting to look at the table right now. If you saw the table, you'd be confused of why Graham Potter is leaving Brighton to go to Chelsea when Brighton's sitting in fourth with 13 points on the table and Chelsea's in sixth with 10 points. So it's, obviously, that gap is not big at all. You've played six games and you're only back in the Champions League spot by three points. I don't think you can call that like not productive. You can't call that not like it's unimpressive, but it's getting the job done to start the season. Um, I yeah I've I've been baffled by it, but for Graham Potter, I I don't see for him having much issues getting the ball rolling at Chelsea. I mean Chelsea's got such a talented team, right? I mean just an influx of talented attacking players. Um, his defense has been improved over the summer. I mean bringing in Cucurella, Fafana. Um, I, Chelsea's got a good team. If they can be healthy, Graham Potter won't struggle with succeeding at Chelsea. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is going to be, well, what happens to Brighton now? 
is Brighton going to suddenly collapse and fall into maybe, I mean, relegation picture? Are they going to fall to the lower bottom half of the table? Like, that's the big question now. Like, I don't even know what happens with them. And that's a, there's just so much fallout from this. Um, and like Tuchel, what happens to Tuchel now? Does he stay out of the game for a year or two? Does he find a spot on an international team? I briefly before this mentioned world cup, if there's like a last minute change, a guy that could come in, maybe join a staff for the world cup and leave. Like, I don't know how that works, but again, it's a lot of fallout from this. And I can't imagine him not being welcomed back to Chelsea. It's not like as a manager, but it just says like a, a peer of the club, um, the success that he did, the, um, the change that he brought to the club that kind of was hanging in the balance with Frank Lampard. Uh, you know, you bring in Frank the tank and don't see instant success. And you saw a club legend get the sack and then, you know, bringing in this guy from PSG that was on the brink of winning champions league then too, yeah. Um, back in 2020. So yeah, I'm pretty baffled by it, just like you guys are. Um, I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I guess Graham Potter is going to be given the benefit of the doubt moving forward. If he drops his first three games, what happens? Do you give him the sack? I just, it's like, I, I can't see where Chelsea is going to like stand firm with him. If he doesn't see success, are they going to, be just as harsh be just as rash with him um i don't know i don't know it's it's a crazy situation um i hope you know that brighton doesn't suffer i think they were going to be a cool story to watch this whole season um they were going to be the ones to watch and now with this sacking i feel like we don't get to see that um but yeah it's crazy it's biggest news for sure coming out of the world of football and we'll be keeping an eye on how it develops down the road and anything that comes of it. But um, as we did talk about, the Champions League did begin uh, week one, match day one. And guys, there are so many great results on this one. I mean, late drama, so many goals, hat tricks, uh, introductions to new teams coming off impressively. Uh, we'll begin with Man City and Sevilla. And can you guys guess who scored for Man City? I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean unreal uh, Erling Holland again I think he's scored enough has he scored in every game he's played in this season so far with Man City not every game but it feels like it, it feels I think like there's it. one game that he didn't score he's unreal um yeah getting the brace Foden Diaz um get on the score sheet as well keeping it clean against Sevilla who uh one of you mentioned that Sevilla is sitting 17th in La Liga um so they need to find a way to stay alive in Champions League if they want to have any hopes of being in the competition next season, if they can't turn things around in La Liga. Um, Real Madrid and Celtic, 3-0 in favor of Real Madrid. The Champions League winners um, all come in the second half. So, what, Vinny Jr., Modric, and, hey, Eden Hazard's alive and playing Champions League football. Uh, didn't see that one coming. Um, Ajax, they are soaring not only in the Dutch league, but also in champions league getting four nil against Rangers and Steven chime in a little bit on your dark horse pick. What's going on with them? Yes. Barcelona um, takes it four one. Uh, I'm blanking on who they even played right now. Someone help me out. Someone help me out. It was that, it was that no name team that no one knows. Yeah. Well, they're going to be a big deal to me. So it's like uh, Watson, right? 
Is it Platson? Yeah, sure. Something like that. Um, Robert Lewandowski scoring the Champions League hat trick. Um, Barcelona finishing second in La Liga last year before any levers, before all these signings that had come into the summer, as they had come into Champions League. I think Barcelona's a force to be reckoned with. We talked about it a little bit before the show. Um, I was pleading my case to my to my uh, my comrades over here. Uh, yeah, PSG of Manchester City and Real Madrid. Other than those people, other than those teams, I don't see the way that Barcelona's playing right now. Ferran Torres, uh, Rafinha, Usman Dembele, like Lewandowski is scoring for fun and he seems so happy to be playing for Xavi. Um, Xavi seems like a man sitting on a pot of gold managing Lewandowski right now as well. And Barcelona look good. They look good domestically. They look good in this first game of the Champions League. Um, is Barcelona a force to be reckoned with? After the game, Xavi even um, equating Dembele's performance of late to quote-unquote, prime Neymar levels. Um, pretty high praise, I believe, in the first five games. Uh, Usman Dembele sits at, I think, two goals and three assists um, among those competitions. So, I don't know. They're my dark horse that I talked about um, before Champions League had started. Um, on ESPN FC, Gab Marcotti and Jules Laurent um, talked about Barcelona and kind of reattaching themselves to their identity of, I mean, really royalty of European football um, up there with Real Madrid, like Barcelona. Like, let's remember the weight that that name carries and the um, expectation of them to come out and perform in Champions League. Uh, my question is, Barcelona forced to be reckoned with? Are y'all on my train yet? Or do you need a little bit more performances against higher ranked teams that I can actually remember the name of? No, I think they are a force to be reckoned with. And it's sort of some people coming into their own, like Dembele. He was on wages and was bought to be a Neymar. I mean, that was what they expected of him. And he just was not that at all the first couple of seasons with Barcelona. And so him coming into his own is huge for them. He's practically like a new signing. Um, there was so much talk last season of him leaving the club on a free. And they did get the contract extension done. I mean, last year was a year to forget, right? Losing at home to Frankfurt, Frankfurt fans taking over your stadium. I yeah. mean, last year was an embarrassing year for Barcelona um, as far as international European football. And to bring in Lewandowski, to bring in and practically sell your soul just to have players come in on your team, you would expect that these results would start coming their way. I mean, they have bought into winning Champions League and obviously La Liga too, but like you talked about, the pedigree is there in Europe. And Lewandowski is the man that can lead them. And this is a guy that won it, was it two years ago now, um, with Bayern Munich. Um, I think he's won it three times with Bayern Munich, I want to say, Champions League. Um, obviously, countless Bundesliga titles. But, um, yeah, I think that Barcelona, especially being in the group of death, having what Inter, Barca... Bayern and then what Pilsen um, I think they'll definitely come out on top of enter and it'll be Barca and Bayern coming out of that group and then from there it's just taking it game by game and 
the way they're scoring goals, the way that Robert is happy to be playing football again. Yeah. They're going to be a dangerous team. That's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I would definitely agree with you, Steve. And real quick, just looking at the lineup of their past game, like this is the, the personnel that they're dealing with. Robert Lewandowski, Usman Nabele, and Andrews Fati starting at top. Frankie de Jong, Frank Kessier moving from AC Milan to Barcelona. Pedri, and then the back line, Sergio Roberto, Andres Christensen, James Kunde, Jordi Alba, Tristega in goal, subbing on Memphis Depay. Rafinha didn't get any playing time. Pique, Gavi, Pablo Torre. Like, this is a team that is very, very deep um and has experience out the wazoo um to make this run brandon i'm curious on your take yeah i mean look on paper i think they're they're built for champions league football they're deep enough like you just mentioned for it um i'm really interested to see what shavi can do not a lot of coaching experience and typically you got to have one of the best managers in the world to win a champions league shavi is not that um Yet, yet, he's not that. But testing his wits in the Champions League with such a great team, I mean, this team will take it very far, I think. Um, you mentioned, do they need to play someone a little bit more uh, of a higher class? Yes, yes, for, for oh. me to really start drinking the Kool-Aid. But I'll they're, def- they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. And like I've said, you're a dark horse, man. I, I believe I'll I'll ride that horse <laughs> into the sunset. Um, yeah, again, great team. They'll make it out of the group. Um, I was gonna say usually injuries can play a factor, like if a Dembele gets hurt, but you have that depth, and it's just it's crazy that all the levers were actually pulled, and <laughs> you know, it paid off. And I'll leave I'll leave you with this: they better. They better get out of the group stage and they better be trying to win this Champions League. Because if not, they will not exist in a couple of years. They will not. So they need they need to be making deep runs in the Champions League for that money. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, we talked about that episodes ago, but just the idea that the financial ramifications with Barcelona are massive. If in the next 10 years things don't go right, Barcelona might disintegrate as a club because they've staked their claim or so much just invested so much of their um, own financial success in these uh, results on the field. Um, well, hey, PSG, I just happened to wearing Paris stuff today, uh, looked delightful against Juventus. Juventus not getting off to the hottest start of their season, um, either in Serie A or in Champions League. Uh, but Mbappe looking delightful. Uh, Neymar finding him on a perfect, I don't know if you guys saw this, Neymar scooped the ball kind of like a leading pass. Mbappe takes it off the volley to score the first goal. Um, just so looking clean. so clean. Um, him getting a second. Yeah, Weston McKinney getting a goal, but really not making much of a difference in the game. Um, but PSG, I think this is a team that, again, we talk about teams putting their entire existence into Champions League, and PSG, I think, is the epitome of that, even more so than Barcelona. Um, Barcelona fans care about La Liga. They want to win La Liga just as much as they do Champions League. But, you know, in League Un with PSG, it feels like it's Champions League or nothing. And that's the whole reason why Pochettino isn't even the manager at PSG. The man won the league, and they still ousted him. And so I think the DNA with PSG is so more rooted in Champions League results that they're the ones that are going to be, the. I think, 
not the dark horse, but they're definitely vying for that top spot in Champions League. And if Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar can click, there's going to be some issues, especially now that Neymar and Mbappe are like, I think starting to, I mean, they've been together for what, four or five seasons now, which is a crazy thought that Mbappe has been at PSG that long already. Um, But they're starting to merge together well and to play, I think, you know, happy football. And um, that's a big difference when you're playing happy. That's what we talked about Lewandowski. It matters when you're doing that. Um, But I think the, the, Champions League game that really shocked the world the most. We were we were live texting this one as it was happening. I was driving. I was just like, "What in the world is happening?" I think it was like put on right after the Tottenham one. It's like, yeah, know, checking in live with the fees. So it just came on after the game and Atletico Porto, absolutely unreal finish. Uh, Brandon, this was so convoluted, such a mess. All pretty much happening more or less in extra time. Give us a breakdown and your gut reaction from it. I'll give you the best breakdown I can, um, but I highly, 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 highly recommend you just go watch the highlights. Um, just the last probably three minutes of the highlights, to be honest, because that's all you're going to need. Because there were no goals until the 91st minute. Gosh. But before then, in the 81st minute, I believe, Porto, a player on Porto gets a second yellow, red, um, from diving weird you don't really see that often but very very stupid by him for me it was i saw it it was i mean yes it was diving there's also like stepping on the foot of Vitzel. i thought it was a slightly harsh maybe to call it diving i don't know what'd you think it was easily a dive he like jumped like the ball is going one direction and Vitzel doesn't even make a tackle attempt and the guy like jumps to leave his leg he like Literally, he's running like this, jumps the other way to like make contact with Vitzel <laughs> to make okay. it seem like he was getting, getting tackled or whatever. Okay. Ref immediately saw like, oh, that that's a dive. And anywho, red card. So they're down a man. Porto's down a man. You're like, okay, maybe they they hold off here for a draw. That's probably what everybody's hoping. No, no, no. Atletico score in the 91st minute off of an insane deflection. Wow, right? The game's over. Atletico probably get what they deserve on the day. Not so fast. There was six minutes of extra time. Yeah, college football is back. Um, and man down Porto get rewarded a penalty after an Atletico defender volleyball punches <laughs> the soccer ball in the box. Um, God. Very, very dumb. I mean, when you watch it, you'll be like, what the hell was he doing? um and we were all uh, asking the same thing when we were watching so and they scored that penalty that was in the 96th minute so basically the last minute of the game one of the last minutes of the game like okay wow what a crazy turn of events game's over right wrong griezmann ends up at the back post on a last second header corner um to win the game in the 101st minute not Insane. extra time, real time, just Insane. because of the goal, the added time, extra added time. The 101st minute, Griezmann wins the game for Atletico. It was at home, so the whole crowd erupts. I was at work, freaking out. Um, it was just This is just the epitome of Champions League, and we're getting it in the first leg of the group stages, so it's absolutely wonderful. I sent the text in. I said, this is why Champions League is the best. You just don't get the same drama. You don't get the same reactions. Obviously, like, unreal having three goals in extra time 
insane. Incre- like it's insane. You again, <laughs> like you said it twice. You thought it was over until it wasn't. Yeah. And I love, I love the hero that it gets to be Griezmann. Um, we mentioned a little bit of it a couple of episodes ago that he's not even getting enough playing time because they don't want to have to sign him. So he's been getting limited playing time coming on as a super sub. And how can you not love him getting the goal after struggling with Barcelona on loan at Atletico back at his club that they adored him so much at wins it at the death. Literally, you never really often see it where the goal becomes the final whistle. I mean, it was the final whistle when they scored it. You could hear the referee blowing his whistle. It was just insane how much of the death it was. Um, yeah, such great drama. Obviously, Simeone is such an expressive, emotional manager. Just yeah. him running down the touchline to be with the fans and to be with his uh, team is just so fun to watch. Um, and, Gr- and Griezmann just kissing his badge over and over and over. Just over. Like, this is a guy that's, like you said, like he's not, he's literally not contractually able to play 90 minutes for this team. Like, very easy to be bitter but he's just happy to come on and make a difference and when you get a team you get some high egos bought into a mission like that some really cool things start to happen um in which we got to see so i love to see the passion from griezmann as well i love it i've always liked him and this is a guy that won the world cup with france he scored a goal in the world cup final doing his little Fortnite dance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, he lost all respect for me when he said he should be in the conversation with Messi and Ronaldo. So, <laughs> which is fair. I mean, at one point he was what 2018. I mean, he was scoring so many goals. Not, I'm not saying he's comparing it, but just like he was one of the top attackers in the world. Yeah, he um, was good, but he's. I don't think he's yeah. better than Kane or Lewandowski, and he's a striker. So, if that, I mean, what does he play? Second striker? Who knows? He can play you anywhere. Got, which I you guess gotta is like good. the confidence. You gotta like the confidence. No, gotta... I lost all my respect. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's what makes Champions League special is games and moments like that. And I'm trying to remember who else is in their group. I think there's is there one other team in that Porto Atleti group? Um, I can't think about the top of my head, but it's Porto, Leverkusen, and Club Bruges. So. so that's the thing. Atletico should come out on top, but Porto, I mean, they made a deep run last year. Um, they'll need to get some results if they want to get through that group. It's not a bad one. It's sort of not level, but it's like it's going to be competitive for sure. Um, quickly, Tottenham and Marseille played not the brightest, best performance from Tottenham, but Richarlison comes in, saves the day. Two amazing, perfectly placed headers, specifically the second one coming off the post in the goal. Uh, then his little <laughs> dance, little peacock. Um, I think the game changer was Dayan Kulisewski. Steven, we got the big points, but you weren't necessarily impressed by the result. What would you say? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll play my negative Nelly role here on the show. Um, Tottenham was lucky not to concede a goal in that first half. I believe the game would have been entirely different if that were to take place. Um, Gaduzi, um, our old Arsenal foe, um, taking control in that midfield. I was honestly pretty impressed with Marseille and how they played that first half. Tottenham were on their heels. Uh, Marseille didn't have any like clear chances at goal, but they were controlling the tempo, controlling the ball, and Tottenham looked, gosh, like at their worst, Tottenham cannot move the ball past the halfway line. Um, but you could spin it and be optimistic and say they're able to defend. There are a lot of crosses coming to the boxes and whatnot. Um, 
Tottenham was able to defend, but that halftime whistle could not have come soon enough. Um, I'll say we get bailed out a little bit with the red card um, as well, able to kind of like finally put our foot in the game in like the 65th, 70th minute. Uh, that's not going to be the case with other Champions League teams. Marseille is a really good team, though. Um, so I don't want to doubt any of their performance. Richarlison, great goals. Um, two incredible headers. So it's a good result. Um, it's a deserved result. I think we were the better team on the day. However, I don't know if every team is going to give you a red card. And I don't know, a team that can finish a little bit better, it might be a different story on the day. But three points nonetheless. Um, so that Brandon Page Stick semifinal uh, ticket is looking half a step more um, towards that direction. So I'm, I'm happy for it, but don't, don't, I would not come away from this game saying it was a great or fantastic result from Tottenham. Is he earning a Premier League start in your eyes for Charleston? Um, over Sunny. No. I would say over Sunny. No, um, I love the two goals. I love it. Um, Hoiberg, I don't know if you saw this. Hoiberg gives a weird interview about Charleston. Um, talks about, you know, he needs to learn a lot more, talk a lot more, uh, like just kind of take in the moments more. Um, you know, Tottenham has an embarrassment of riches, honestly, for the first time in a while um, in the attacking half for Charleston's able to float with a winger role, attacking midfielder role or striker role. Um, and he's got an ego, right? Like, I love that and harness correctly, uh, which I think Conte has done so far very well. Um, great player. Uh, I don't think you give him a start. Sonny's desperate for a goal. He had a good game against Marseille. Um, I think it's way more valuable to keep starting. If the question is Sonny or Charleston, Youngman's son. Um, still all the way. Uh, it's been working so far. Tottenham, one of the two Premier League teams, undefeated right now. And if it's not broke, don't don't try to fix it. Um, don't make a shocking move like that and put Son on the bench. So Rashardson just scored two dramatic goals. Let's keep it going, but maybe hold off a little bit on the Premier League start with away at Manchester City. Yeah, and you could see the emotion coming from him. And Brandon, I don't know if you could touch yeah. on just a little bit. Could you imagine going from Everton to Tottenham, what that means to him? <laughs> where Everton were last year and where they are now still. Um, and then <laughs> playing in the Champions League. I score your goal. No, I cannot imagine where he's he, he's feeling. He probably feels lucky, hopefully, to be on Tottenham. Because I don't honestly think it was earned that he got that move. Um, but a good signing nonetheless for Tottenham. And um, coming on and, and being a role player, that's that's what he's going to be. And I yeah. think that's what he will be the rest of the season. Um, he will start games. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if it's the time to start switching up that that um, undefeated Tottenham team. Right. Am I right? Yeah. Um, no losses yet. So. Oh. <laughs> Well, I guess he took a long thought there. Um, Brandon, if you can hear us, we're going to go ahead and keep going without you. Uh, yeah, no, I think he's right. I think there's still some more time. Big matchup coming up against Man City. Um, that'll be a defining game for Tottenham for sure, and we'll cover that in a bit. Uh, but, Stephen, Napoli and Liverpool, that one was 
I mean, what is going on right now with uh, Liverpool, dude? It's just 4-1. You can't drop games like that, right? I mean, it's just what's going on with Liverpool. They looked slow. They looked unresponsive. I mean, it just doesn't look like they want to play these games right now. Uh, it? it is criminal to ask James Milner to put in a shift at the midfield in a Champions League uh, game. Um yeah, we've kind of been sounding the warning lights and the sirens uh, for Liverpool earlier on in the season. Um, sad news to them, the transfer window was closed. Um, but yeah, they just look slow. Uh, Napoli knew exactly how to expose this team. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robinson. Like, I'm not going to put Andrew Robinson like guilt-free here. Both of them look abysmal. Um, both of them. And they've never been good at defending, but they've always been very good at recovery defending. Um, and they've made that effort to come back and correct their mistakes. You're not seeing that in this matchup. Um, Napoli just taking full advantage and really running riot. Like the Napoli players that were scoring couldn't believe what they were doing to Liverpool. Um, <laughs> like it, it almost was like me on the field scoring against like – I, I don't know. I don't know. Scoring goals I shouldn't be scoring. And like, does this just happen? Are we really beating Liverpool four to one right now? Like, it's insane. This is an Napoli team that offloaded Kalubali, offloaded Mertens, has half the wage bill that they did last year. They've cut players. And you're seeing them go out here, boss one of the, I don't know, greatest teams we're supposed to have supposed to believe. To be. Yeah, like Premier League champions, Champions League champions. Like, it's it's a rough look for Liverpool. And if you're a Liverpool fan, hit that panic button. Who's your backup right back right now? Is it? It's not Nico Williams anymore. Yeah, no, it's not. And God, it's probably James Milner. <laughs> and he's starting in the midfield for you right now in a Champions League game. So that's scary. Do you go to a back three? Klopp kind of hinted at changing assist. Like, I forget the direct language that he was using, but talking about structurally changing the team. Like, do you go to a back four? Like, do you go to, like, what? I mean, you go to a back three. You could do maybe, you know, Fabinho as a center back, Matip and Kunte. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, they don't look good. 4-1. I'm hitting the panic button. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um, I still think they can make it out of the group stage, but this is a real conversation if they go to the Europa League um, exit stage left a little bit early. Yeah. Brandon, I don't know. Did you catch any of this one, the Napoli-Liverpool game? Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit. I was switching in between the games. Um I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. My internet must have gone out real quick. It's a Columbus no thing. You know, Steven, yeah. Steven's on top now, so he got his spot. You switch us. You switch us. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, it could have been 6-1. Victor Osiman, yeah. who I think came off injured, was probably the best player on the day. Absolutely insane. Just so good. Making Liverpool's defenders look like championship defenders, to be honest. Um yeah, Liverpool should be lucky to get out of there 4-1. Um, probably the worst loss since Villa. Uh, what was that, 7-2? Um, 
sorry, Steve, I don't know what you said, but if they didn't have Luis Diaz, I'm not sure where they would actually be um, because he just seems to pop up with goals and play well. (laughs) Um, And I think uh, losing Sadio Mane has played a massive role in their sort of downturn, whether we want to admit it or not. I don't have any evidence to really back that up other than they're not scoring goals other than the 9-0 defeat to Bournemouth, which... Uh, that's an outlier. Let's just say that. So, um, yeah, panic button time for Liverpool. Clop out? I don't know. Well, that's the thing, because this kind of bleeds into what's happening in the Premier League, and they just came off of a nil-nil draw to Everton. (laughs) Like, it's it's getting dangerous, and it's it's a hard topic to talk about because Liverpool has been – that strong team that's been so consistent. They'd only lost two or three games in the calendar year. And now they're up to what four now in the calendar year, two on the season, something like that. Um, This is not a Liverpool team that we're used to seeing. And so much of that I do attribute to Sadio Mane being gone. Um, That attacking front has not looked the same. Luis Diaz loves to cut in and take those outside of the box shots. And they often go in, but you can't rely on him creating this magic every single time you play. And yet the outlier was Bournemouth, but not getting goals against Everton. Everton's defense, I can't remember the last time, has looked strong. And the fact that Liverpool couldn't penetrate their defense is pretty telling that things are awry there. And their defense has looked, I said, slow. They've looked unresponsive. It's like Van Dyke's not even the same player anymore. Gosh. Like, something mentally with him has to be going on. Where's Mo Salah? Yeah. The Egyptian king has disappeared. Um, you're relying on these two young left wingers with no Premier League experience, practically no Champions League experience in Carvalho and Diaz to just score goals for you. And so, yeah, I'm finding myself wondering what their lowest point is going to be, if it's right now or if we're going to continue to see them slide in, into this Premier League and Champions League season. Um, Jurgen Klopp certainly... I think has to have a major part of the blame. I think it's him not getting his team sorted out. He's had some time now and they've continued to not see the results they need to get from the Premier League and Champions League. But um, I mean, what else can we make of these these results with them? Is it, you know, specifically against Everton? Is it just Everton played a good game or is Liverpool just struggling to perform on the stage? I'll give, uh, I'll chime in and give, I'll give Jurgen. Claw a pass. You in the Champions League and the Premier League. I mean, I'll give you a pass. You make some domestic cup finals. This is a team that makes signings not to the near capability. We compare them with Manchester City all the time, right? And don't get me wrong. This is a team that spends a lot of money. You have your Allisons, you have your Van Dykes, your Luis Diaz, you know, um, however. Um, He's brought in Nunes. Nunes. This Nunes suspension, like how big a deal of it when he leaves the field, getting suspended for three games, coming back into it, you better score some goals. Um, But no, the panic button's on full alert. But I think as Liverpool, it's I think they're way smarter than hitting a panic button, sacking a manager, going and hiring Tuchel or Zidane. Like that's not that's they're not stupid (laughs) like like 
I, I just, they're not going to do that. I think Klopp's one of those guys that like Liverpool fans adore, right? Oh, yeah. And he's passionate. He's not happy with the results that are going on right now. And he expects better out of his, out of his players. However, the crop to pick from right now, like Harvey Elliott starting in the midfield right now and had a horrible game. He's a kid. He's not even 20 years old yet, I think. Um, so it's one of those things as like, as Liverpool ownership, I'm looking at you, LeBron, um, it's like, you can't be, you can be disappointed, you can be frustrated and you can expect more. But in actuality, like, I, I don't know, like, worst case scenario for Liverpool, they go out and spend in January and they're looking, you finish in the top six and have a bad year. I, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think you fire Klopp over that. Like, I think you just ride it out. Klopp wants to be there. You back that man. Uh, the, the instance of him maybe wanting to go somewhere else, a new challenge, yada, 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 yada. That's very different. But if you have somebody that's committed to a project, um, like a man that Jurgen Klopp has been so committed to Liverpool, you don't try to create something to sack him because you're not going to be anything better. Um, again, you're starting, you're starting, starting James Milner in a Champions League game in the midfield. That's that is absolutely criminal. Like you're looking at like, oh, you could start Firmino in the midfield and start Nunes up top. You could do like a fault. Like it's they don't have the they don't have the personnel right now. I think it looks like an overhaul of hundreds of millions of um, pounds being spent this next summer and winter combined um, to get this team back to where they are. Yeah, they're sitting seventh right now on the table. By the way, they're what four points off the fourth spot behind Brighton. Um, I don't know what injuries do they have right now. Are they Kanade's out? Um, I guess yeah. they haven't played their best eleven yet. No, to be fair to them, it's early. It's 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 a Manchester United team that was last in the league a couple weeks ago. Like let's panic buttons on. Like I'm not coming off of that. Like the team is worrisome to Liverpool standards, but they look yeah. awful. They look bad. They look yeah. terrible. Well, they're getting Thiago back. I think he was yeah. on the bench for that game. They did bring in Arthur um, on loan from I think Juve, <sighs> which again he's not been the hottest player, but he's a solid a solid player. He's seen you know big you club experience, him. right? So they're getting some reinforcements in. Um, either just coming off of injury or coming in off that late deal with Juve there with Arthur. But yeah, I I agree. I still think. I don't think you can get rid of Klopp. We've seen no. in so many other sports, you know, teams have highs and lows. Like Greg Popovich, one of the most winningest coaches in the NBA ever, hasn't had a couple of slow seasons with the San Antonio Spurs. He's had it at the very highs winning so many uh, NBA finals. You have, you know, like last season in Clemson, Debo Sweeney loses a couple of games in Clemson. They don't give him the sack. They just gave him a 10-year deal yesterday or today. So it's obviously different with European football, but yeah, Klopp can't go anywhere. I don't know. I don't care where you finish. I definitely don't think you can give him, get him out of that team, fire him, but there does have to be some accountability somewhere. Um, it might have to be a conversation of look like we did bring in Nunes. We brought in all these guys. We expect to be sort of certain spot and maybe come next year. If you don't see a rebound, if it gets to that point, 
um, then maybe that conversation can be had. But for this year, there's no way that um, you can see any exponential change from Liverpool, I think, on the side of getting rid of Klopp. And they um, won some domestic cups last year, no? Or am I am I tripping? They won the two against Chelsea. Yeah, and penalties. Uh, yeah, and I will say also they haven't spent a lot of money. Liverpool doesn't do that. They make um, a lot of targeted investments. Yeah, and they also sell players to reinvest money. Like they're they're very good with money and they're run sort of like a smaller club to be honest, um, which is great that they're they're challenging for the you know top honors. But um, it might. You know, it might come to show this year. You know, it, you can only push your players so far. And there's a little bit of a uh, a scandal going on. I think I might have sent you guys this on Twitter, but all of their players are, are, are on inhalers. Have you guys seen that? No. Anyway, that's a conversation for a different time. But uh, there was a joke on Twitter this week that was basically like, the inhalers must have ran out or something because oh, all their players aren't running as much. They're getting injured um and they're not performing well so look it up look up liverpool and inhalers uh scandal you gotta get some of that uh space jam juice yeah (laughs) um (laughs) well let's kind of move on to the next spot in the premier league man united taking care of business against arsenal man united's won what four in a row now yeah Um, climbing the table after what they beat liverpool and now arsenal is man united the real deal now are they finding their footing in the premier league Yes and no. Um, they are better than what they displayed earlier in the season. I think we all knew that with the talent that they have on the squad. Um, but I still think Arsenal is going to finish above them. Arsenal looked as good as you can look in a 3-1 defeat, um, I will say. Uh, they looked very competent. Um, and Manchester United just really finished off their chances very well. Um, and credit to Tin Hogg and the boys. Um I think Manchester United will be challenging for top four. I think outside looking in, but I still think they'll be in the conversation uh, in the spring. So that's kind of fun. The Premier League's more fun when Manchester United's involved in that. Um, I believe the last show that I was on, uh, I said that Ronaldo's going to score and it'd be kind of all happy and smiles. And it hasn't gone that way. Um, Ronaldo's still outside looking in. Warming that bench. Um, doing it well, looking good. Doing it well, looking, gosh, looking great. Um, if I could look like that at 39, kill me. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, Ten Hag, sticking to the guns, getting results. Credit to the boys. Credit to Ten Hag. Um, benching McGuire, benching Luke Shaw, benching Ronaldo when he wants to, um, and winning games. So the Dutchman full force so i think manchester united top six for sure um so again just how quick the premier league can change and uh anthony going ahead getting his debut goal out of the way dispelling anything that maybe any curse anything him falling short of expectations going ahead and just getting that goal in um making sure he took care of that but brandon i think the big topic from the premier league really came down to the goals that didn't happen. VAR intervening on a handful of occasions over the weekend. There was a couple of them that have sparked a lot of debate about the institution of VAR, talking about who should be allowed to do it, when it should intervene, uh, the rules, what does, you know, probable cause and like clear and obvious, what does all that mean? 
uh, what were some instances that you saw that um, are worth bringing attention to our viewers about what VAR needs to be moving forward? Um, so I don't know if we really want to get into the details of them all, but West Ham had one, Newcastle had one, Leeds had one, Brighton had one, even Villa had one. Um, that's five controversial calls out of 10 games, by the way, that's half the games, <laughs> um, where VAR was, was used incorrectly. Not, not the Villa game with Coutinho, but poor refereeing, let's just say five, very poor refereed games on the weekend four involving VAR. Um, it's a mess. It's, it's an absolute mess. Um, I like VAR for things like offside, which the McAllister goal, which was an absolute banger. Again, go watch these highlights. Really nice. make, make up your own mind about these. Uh, but the McAllister goal could have been goal of the season. Um, brought back as a no goal after VAR because a, a player attempted to bicycle kick, I think it was, uh, after, after he was offside. Um, but it didn't really affect the goal itself. So, but to me, offside is offside. It's black and white. That's that's good call for VAR. But these little um, subjective, I think is the word, like VAR calls and telling a referee to go look at the monitor because he was wrong rather than telling the referee to go take a second look at it. Um, there's just a lot of issues. The VAR thing should be played in full time. There shouldn't be any um, really zooming in or slow-mo or anything like that. Because the game is played at, at the most intense pace you could imagine, there shouldn't be necessarily any slow-mo unless you're looking for like a hand, like a blatant handball. Like you just would miss it. Um, they need to take a book or a page out of the old NFL book, and maybe MLB, I think, does this too, where you have one center that reviews all of the VAR plays. One. You don't have another crappy referee that's going to referee tomorrow be up in some booth somewhere saying, you know what, I think I'm going to put my stamp on this game and say, nope, that was a penalty. You need to go change it right now. Go over to the monitor and look. Or that was not a penalty. No way. That's software. No, no. That That is so stupid. Like, that is so dumb. You have 10 sets of those per weekend. <laughs> How does that make any sense? So that's 10 games that are refereed differently there's no consistency so that means there's no consistency on the field no consistency off the field with var it's an absolute shambles absolute shambles and it's 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 very very embarrassing um and people's livelihoods are at, at stake really if, if we want to put it down to that not really these guys are millionaires but like clubs staying up if you want to get yeah. real localized teams staying in the premier league and bringing all that money into their town to a small town like Bournemouth, for example, um, it matters. It it really does matter for these these towns and these clubs and these players. Um, and it's just absolutely embarrassing as as a refereeing unit. I don't even know what they're called. Um, they're probably better than pro referees here in the U.S., but hardly. Uh, good lord, this weekend was just not a good weekend. I'll get off my soapbox, <sighs> but. Yeah, it's it's also refereeing this year has been awful in and of itself, not just this past weekend, but the, the whole year.
We're feeling a little bit passionate today on the bad fan. I'm loving it. I had my own little episode early on in the show. Brandon's getting into it. Let's go. I mean, it's awful. I'll, I'll, let me name two real quick. Okay, back on the soapbox. Let's go. Did you guys see the West Ham call? Did you Did you watch this? I missed it. Mindy comes out and blocks a yes. a touched like pass or something, and Jared Bowen jumps over him but makes contact with him, right? Mindy makes a mistake by punching the ball or kicking it or whatever way far out. He doesn't grab it. So Mindy's out of the play anyways, and it's not a foul on Bowen anyway. Like Bowen didn't tackle him. He was jumping over him, and his cleat hit him. Mindy was never making a play on the on the ball, like after he had lost it. And yeah. the, the ball bounced, I think, 10 to 15 yards away from him. A goal was scored last minute for West Ham to tie the game, to tie the game. Um, they're looking for some momentum in the league, um, and that would have been a, a great draw at Chelsea. I think it was at Chelsea, yeah. Yeah. Don't get it because of that. Insane call. Insane Again, go watch it back. Make your own mind up. I can't believe that was a thing. Maybe I was debating whether that one was worse or this next one in the Newcastle game. Joe Willick goes up for a header to go score. If he wasn't pushed, which he was blatantly pushed, by the way, he was pushed into the goalkeeper of Crystal Palace. The ball comes off of the guy that pushed him into the back of the net for an own goal. They go to the monitor. And say that Joe Willick obstructed the goalie from making a play after everyone saw he was blatantly pushed by the Crystal Palace defender that the ball went off of to go into the back of the net. It is embarrassing. It's in sh- like I've never seen anything like that. That is like like a five-year-old could tell you. I feel like we end up here every year talking about VAR. A five-year-old could tell you that that goal is is it stands. Goo goo gaga. Yes. So, and then I'll mention the Coutinho one too, because I'm a Villa homer. By the way, Villa on, did tie on. Manchester City, the best team in the world this weekend. I don't know if it means much going into this week, which we're about to get into. But um, Coutinho wasn't offside, um, gets a ball played to him, runs to the top of the box, hits a Coutinho banger top corner like he does. Um, but the rep- the referee decided to blow the whistle. Um before the play was dead, basically. Well, as we all know, the referees nowadays are told to keep their flags down until they're, if they're 100% sure or until VAR can intervene or until after the play or whatever it is. They don't put it up immediately unless it's clearly and blatantly obvious he was offside. Coutinho wasn't offside. Scores a goal. Would have won Villa the game. The referee stops the play as the play is going. So it's not, it was a, it wasn't a dead ball or anything. Like the referee actually stopped the play. Then Coutinho scores. And to be fair, Man City did sort of stop playing, but it's, it's very, you know, very quick. Um, but you just don't know, right? Then there's the question, Oh, could it have been, could it not have been? I don't know. But referees, are you on the same page? Do you even go to the same referee school? Like, are you guys being taught the same things? I, it's already hard enough to watch Premier League soccer, especially be invested in a team. But then you have these idiots referees <laughs> in ev- <laughs> putting their hands in every single game and making it worse. Man, I can't live a life like that. <laughs> wow. Which, that is the spiciest yeah. take in all 36 episodes right there. The fiery, the most fiery the take. 
the hottest. And it's crazy. I listened to Ben Foster's podcast, his Premier League fill-in, whatever. And he's, at this point, just kind of called for just abolishing, getting rid of VAR entirely. At this point, it's causing more disruption. It's changed the game. You can't even celebrate a goal anymore because you just never know. There might be something that happened in the buildup that they'll call back from two minutes ago because the play kept going that they like don't call back. It's just crazy what they've changed the game of soccer and football in the Premier League to be like. And um, even Champions League, they just instituted a new VAR system that's like 3D models. So you can literally see you know, where the players, instead of drawing the lines on the plane, it's like all 3D done because they have cameras all around the stadium to give this you know visual for us to see what was actually happening. But even that is too precise because there's not enough barrier. It's like Lewandowski could have had another goal, I think, but his toe was fractional. I mean, literally fractionally. Had he had a smaller shoe size, he would have been onside. But there's there's no buffer, so it's like it's so black and white. There's no like, and it's become so scientific there, where it's just like, is that right or wrong? Is this good for the mm. game or is it unhealthy for the game? And the point you're making is the judgment call that these refs are making in the booth specifically with the VAR guys is ruining the game. Um, and I think that, I, I don't know, can you get rid of it now in the middle of the season? No, but yeah, it, it's, it's after all those examples you just gave, I think even the McAllister one with the failed bicycle attempt, he didn't obstruct the play. Like he tried to be involved and failed at being involved in the run of the play which then gave Brighton the chance to score. I don't think that should have been offside. I think the goal should have been given personally. I don't, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It, as you say, it all moves so fast. I've tried refereeing a game. It's not easy. It's stressful. But these guys are professionals that, as you said, have been trained. They're supposed to be the best in the world. They're at the best league in the world. The standard should be there for them as well. And what I love about the NFL, what I love about Major League Baseball now, I think the NBA does it too, is there's accountability now because – the referees have to explain audibly over a microphone what happened, what they saw, right? So like baseball, plate to plate, the runner was tagged on his left hand, therefore the runner is out. We don't get any explanation from these referees. There's no accountability. You can't say anything. Many times managers have come out and said, you know, poor refereeing, poor decision, whatever, and they get fined. They can't even have accountability. They're so protected um, a, a bunch of these referees in different leagues are, but it's specifically in soccer. There's no room for them to have any criticism. It seems without um, hiding behind that silence of just whistle and pointing to the spot or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's it is in shambles. It needs to have some better oversight or just I don't know. I don't know what if more player input. You need to have former players perhaps being referees now, like being the VAR assistants people that have played the game and like, I don't know, it's hard to, to give these guys credit when more often than not, we see complaints more than we do the success of VAR. Um, but yeah, it's getting to a critical, um, what's a critical mass uh, point right now. And um, sure. <laughs> yeah, perfect. it's, it's hard. It's hard to enjoy games perfect. when it's intervening and perfect when it's changing the game so much. Um, Steve, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts, if we want to move on from it, but uh Tottenham fan VAR good this is true uh, it did help us a lot three years ago in Champions League I'll but... just get to Champions League final so <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna hear me complain about it but yes right. I agree definitely yeah, it definitely. is it is crazy <laughs> I um, need to figure out they've had it long enough they need to figure it out 
This is true. Some consistency. Absolutely. Uh, Well, that's been the past couple days of the Premier League. Looking forward, games coming thick and fast. Yes, you've heard that expression. Hopefully games do happen. Uh, That big news of the Queen passing away might have an effect. I haven't heard a clear indicator if games are getting canceled over the weekend. We might find out more um, after the recording of this. But That'd be crazy. um, I know like across the country, they're having like 12 or 13 days of mourning, which means like events like comedy shows, things, the theater have been canceled. So the hope is that the premier league is again, one of those things much like it was during the pandemic where it can continue. Um, they can pay the respects and such through playing those games, especially thinking about the fans traveling around the world from, you know, like let's just say a Tottenham fan coming from South Korea to see Sun Hung Min, like stuff like that. These people have you know a lot riding on coming to see these games. It'd be hard to cancel them. Um, so we'll see if they do happen. The ones that we've been keeping our eyes on are potentially El Sakiko around two, much like the one last year with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Nuno Awatana and Man U. Leicester City and Aston Villa, uh, 20 versus 17. Brandon, you've got, you're got you invested in this one. I know you are. Um, and there's so much to see who might join the ranks of Thomas Tuchel and Scott Parker, the man who loves a nice classic cardigan. Uh this one is is it really going to be an El Sakiko? Do you think they lose this game? Will lose their job, guys? Right after the game, no. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers is in it for the long haul. I think there's way more pressure on Gerard, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and you would think coming off of a tie against Man City, I'd be all hyped up and be saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go take it to him." Whatever, whatever, whatever. No, uh, it was the first time Villa looked like they actually had a plan going into the game. And I think, honestly, it's probably easier to have a plan playing a Man City or Liverpool type than it is playing a team that you're, you know, you're sort of fighting in normally mid-table. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if any coach will get sacked right after this game. Um, but it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. These teams have split games over the past couple years not really much between them. And I don't think there really is much this time either. Um, Brendan Rogers is a way better coach than Steven Gerrard. Um, and honestly, Lester didn't look too bad, even though they got thrashed by Brian. So I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm honestly very nervous, but I did say, I did say if Gerrard gets five points from the next four games, yeah, he did. He'll still have a job by the, the by the break. I think September 23rd. He has one, and he needs a win and a draw from Leicester and Southampton, and I think he can do it. And I think this Villa team may have turned a little bit of a corner with that result, Um, but I could easily see Villa losing here, like two nothing as well. So the best I can hope for is a win, obviously, but I think it's going to be a lot of a stalemate. Um, These teams trying to find their footing, which doesn't really help either of them. Um, but a draw is what I could probably see here. An ugly draw. Steven, are the stakes this high for the game, or is it a bit of an overreaction? I mean, gosh, we just talked about Tuchel for like 30 minutes at the start of the show. I mean, I don't know what's happening anymore. Um, I don't think anyone's getting fired from this game, specifically relating to these two clubs. But I don't know. Uh, there was a little rumor put out on Twitter about Brendan Rogers getting the sack like already, um, before this game happened. Um, and the club even had to come out like some representatives from the club had to come out and debunk it. Like 
this is a thing like I don't know if words escaping from the front. I don't I don't know. Um gosh, I think if it's ugly for either side, which I don't think it will be, in the sense of a goal differential of like three goals for either side, I think resolves in a firing. Mm. Like I'll go that extreme. I think if Villa goes out and gets played off the pitch, like three nil to Leicester, Gerard's gone. Yeah. Um, and vice versa with Leicester, but I don't see that happening. Uh, I like Brandon's analysis of like an ugly draw, maybe like a two one thriller, one zero thriller, zero zero kind of draw though is kind of the vibe that I'm going with. And I think both the managers' jobs um, will be safe. And uh, no one's going to be joining the very handsome Scott Parker uh, or Thomas Tuchel yet. And the the, and Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Yeah, I I will be curious to see what happens with this one. I don't want either manager to get fired. I think, you know, there's a lot to be excited about with these clubs in general. I think, Brandon, you talked about early on in the preview. Just, you know, you had some high expectations coming this season with Aston Villa. And you had European sites set. And yeah, sitting 20th and 17th right now with these two teams is not what anyone expected. So yeah, clock is ticking in regards to both managers. I hope that they don't get the sack. Um, really, I, we, I've, I've thought about this. Maybe I've said it. That the market really isn't that good for new coaches, to be honest. You're going to bring in Son Deitch. You're going to bring in Big Sam. You're going to bring in like Roy Hodgson. I think he's done coaching at this point. It's just like, I don't know. Who are you going to bring in that's going to refresh what you're already doing i find it hard to imagine these guys come in and drastically change in a season when these guys have proven more specifically Brendan rogers uh gerard won with um yeah. rangers stuff but it's like who are you gonna find is better than Brendan rogers to get this team to win he knows the players he knows the system it may not even be totally on him at this point so it's hard for me to imagine finding a better replacement um especially at this point in the season but we'll find out very soon indeed uh, Man City and Tottenham. This one has been a fun matchup over the past couple of seasons. Uh, Tottenham getting the double over City last season. But as we talked about, Erling Holland, dude's just been unreal so far. Having what? Is he at nine goals already in the Premier League? Ten. Um, ten. Ten. My goodness. Uh, in the past six league matchups, Tottenham's had four wins, being the kryptonite of Man City. Only one loss, that pretty embarrassing loss, when Devinson Sanchez found himself on the floor and then one draw. Um, against Man City. Uh, we talked about this earlier. You know, Hungman Son has been a game changer in these matchups against Man City. Um, he'll be looking to find his first goal, but Man City is looking to stay hot. This is going to probably be the game of the weekend. Two teams undefeated. Yeah. Um, it'll either be a draw and continue to see that run of form for both of them, or one team's going to be going home very unhappy. And admittedly, it looks like this one's probably in favor of Man City, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I can go first. Um, Tottenham taking four wins, one draw, and one loss out of the previous six league matchups against Manchester City. I mean, that's nothing to mess around about, honestly. Tottenham's had way less talented teams take points away from Manchester City. Um, and I'll go... I'll go with uh, I'll go with the angel on my shoulder today. I think Tottenham. <laughs> I I think Tottenham is. Going, I might be the devil on the shoulder tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, it's one of those things. Like we just play them so well, 
Um, coming off a Champions League win, I know Manchester City won too, but it's like when you have a team like Manchester City, like drowning in silverware, like Tottenham is hungry, Conte is hungry, like it just means more uh for my sec roots coming out um but no the game's gonna mean a lot to manchester city but i think it's gonna be a big test for erling holland tottenham's defense has looked pretty great um the start of the year i think it'll be a test for holland to be honest probably one of the best defenses that he plays so far um in the premier league so it yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think there will be a winner. I do not think there will be a draw. Um, I, I, yeah, one of these teams will drop points. One of these teams will take three. Um, and I'm going to go with the shock win with Tottenham over Manchester City. Probably followed by a loss later in a few weeks by a crappy team. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid again. Four wins, one loss, one draw in the past six league interleague matchups against um, Manchester City. Um, you see players like Eric Lamella find a goal. Like one of his three goals of the season was like a couple years ago against Manchester City with Ederson off of this line. It's it's just one of those matchups that weird things happen, and I think for a young son, a player you mentioned in particular. Um, I mean, the guy's flying in like a golden boot, like under the radar right now. Like guys don't have a goal yet. We're talking about Charleston. We're talking about Harry Kane and all the other threats that Tottenham has right now. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Perisic. Um, Heck, even Sessegnon too on the left side. Sessegnon on the left side as well. Yeah, I just think, I think Conte knows what he's up against. I think this is where the pedigree of what you pay the coach comes into play. Conte versus Pep. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to see what these managers are made of, I think, more so than what the players are made of. Um, which, as a spectator of the game, like, buckle in. It's going to be a great game. And we've already seen Antonio Conte take out one manager. Can he make it two? He already got rid of Tuchel. <laughs> the infamous <laughs> handshake. <laughs> Stop I think, talking. <laughs> I think this is a great matchup for one team and one team only, and I think it's Tottenham um the way they play every team and they're so solidified in the in that counter attack yeah deadly counter attack probably the best in the world uh maybe psg's is better i don't know but maybe i don't know tottenham could be the best in the world and they've have they've been defending well um you know it's what is it an immovable object meets an unstoppable force is it sort of one of those Mm -hmm. games maybe i think it's going to be very eventful I agree with you, Steve. There's going to be a winner. Um, no draw here. But it's set up for for Tottenham to do well. Man City's defense, again, leaking goals, not against Sevilla, but no. I don't know if they have any. They might have like one clean sheet in the year in the Premier League. Um, and this is, a, this is a very good Tottenham team. Set up to beat them. Um, this is this is the game of the weekend, isn't it? This is this has yeah. to be it. I mean, it has to be by far um, with the history and whatnot. So I'll I'll say a Tottenham. Oh man, am I gonna go crazy? You might feel like crazy right now. Tottenham three two. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's go. Wow wow wow. Um, I do want to say I think Man City has, I think a defender out. 
might be John Stones is out. Um, so they also might have some defensive issues as far as players being healthy. Kyle Walker also might be out. I can't remember for sure. Um, so that Traded. might be another advantage for Tottenham there, but um, it's going to be a thing if Sonny can be like Harry Kane of old where he couldn't score in August and then just goes on a tear the rest of the season. Um, hopefully Sonny can find that form. Man City is the team that he loves to score against. As you said, that counterattack is the best in the world, I think. Um, it even proved, I think, a couple times this season as as such. But um, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited to see it. I do want Tottenham to win, but as we said, it's hard to go against one of the best teams in the world at Manchester City, especially when Holland is flying. He'll be a new test that Tottenham hasn't had to go up against and will be um, kind of a proving ground to see what these teams are made of, what their um, mental status is. You know, Can they hang in long enough for 90 minutes on both sides, defensively, offensively? And um, it might be a bloodbath. It might just be one of the best games ever. We'll have to find out. Um, we'll definitely be excited for it. But the last one on the Premier League one that we should be looking for is, as we said, the first game for Graham Potter. Um, coming in as the new Chelsea coach, a new change of scenery for him, um, moving to London from Brighton and going up against Fulham at North London, not North London, but a London Derby um, at Cottage Park. And uh, yeah, Fulham, a team that Mitrovic has been continuing to score, which has been fun to see. And they're not a pushover. I mean, Tottenham beat them, what, two to one. Um, it wasn't like sketchy, but Fulham is going to compete. And this will be a great time for them to try and snag some points as a Chelsea team that has sort of lost its identity, especially now under a new coach, won't they? Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, it's at the cottage. And um, Mitrovic will definitely score again. I No one's really been able to stop him. And he's actually been... Making his own goals too, not good just having goals, yeah. yeah, good goals. Um, so I really don't think 18 is actually out of the question anymore. But um, yeah, if Graham Potter loses this opening game with all this talent, like, is he already on the hot seat? Real person would say no, but who knows? Um, does Pulisic get the start now? Does Pulisic finally get to get a lot of minutes? Probably not. Um, just for consistency's stake with the, with the team. But um, the new manager bounce is also not a real thing, but sort of is, <laughs> um, depending on what you believe. Stats that exist but don't matter. Is that yeah, one? yeah, is uh, John Boy. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here. It should be entertaining, though, I think. Um, Fulham's going to give Chelsea a really good game. Steve, who you got? I got a draw. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I got a draw. I'd be surprised if Chelsea comes and gets the points away at Craven Cottage. Uh, let's start with Pulisic playing in his actual position first um, before we start talking about starts. Um, but yeah, if he goes from a wingback position to his actually a uh, winger forward position. But yeah, it'll be... I think it's a chalked up game, dude. Like Chelsea's playing two games a week for the next until the international break potter has absolutely no time to really implement anything in training anything tactically so he it's like these first couple of games aren't going to exist if i'm if i'm a chelsea fan you hope for three points you expect one is what i would say yeah that's a totally fair um evaluation of that be interesting to see um fulham 
not a team to be messing around with. They can get you um, scoring those goals. Again, with Mitrovic, he's dangerous. He okay, Cole. Okay, Cole. He's, he's dangerous. dangerous. Um, well, that's been fun. That's been a full episode. Uh, guys, I mean, we covered so much, so much news. It feels like in such a short amount of time. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy things have been going on. Um, Orlando City won the U.S. Open Cup. Ooh. That's <laughs> kind of gar- garbage. Um, yeah, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Uh, the U.S. women, they reached an agreement on their CBA. We might cover that a little bit more. Now getting equal pay with the men. Um, any other major headlines I'm missing? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, so much happening. NFL is starting this weekend. College football is back. Um, MLB playoffs are quickly approaching the Atlanta Braves and now cops to the New York Mets. Um, these will be some things we'll hope to bring to you guys in the next episode or two. So stay tuned. Uh, thanks for reaching the end of this episode. It's been fun. It's been full. And we've certainly been loving our time with you. We love getting to do this. And we're 36 episodes in of the Bat Fan. So if you haven't, please do subscribe. Please leave a like. Leave a comment. Um, what's your reactions to some of the Champions League games? What's your reaction to the Chelsea firing and hiring? Um, in London. Uh, lots of fun things going on. VAR, without any controversy ever. Um, should it be gone? Should we get rid of VAR? Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts um, down in the comments, on Twitter, on Instagram, or if you know us personally, give us a chat there. Um, Trey, we'll be thinking about you as you take on Brandon and El Sakiko. Um, hopefully, neither things go wrong. But um, again, that's been pretty much it for the bad fan today. I've been Cole Carter. Steven, Steven has been back on top. Brandon found himself relegated to the bottom. Um, hopefully that does not reflect Aston Villa's season. But <laughs> more or less, that's going to be it for the bad fan. We love you guys. Appreciate it. Until then, peace out and be good.